Pray. 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 Pray like this. Like this. Like this. Our Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us. Rescue us. Rescue us from the evil one. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, Crossroads. My name is Bill, and I am really glad to be with you all. Uh, nice to be with you here in Newburgh. And if you are joining us online or at our West Campus, want to say hello to you as well. I am really excited about what we are beginning this weekend as we start our 21 days of prayer experience. Now, we have been praying about this and um, really believe that God is inviting us into this season of, of, of renewed prayer focus, of diving deeper into prayer. For, for several reasons. One is we have just sensed for a long time that God is ready to do great things here in Evansville, that God has each one of us here for a purpose, to make a difference in the places where we live, where we work, where we play, where we shop. And so we, we believe that, that prayer is the foundation of that. And that's why we spent the last five weeks looking at some of the high points in the book of Acts, where we saw people, regular people just like us, completely unqualified, that God used to begin a, a movement that transformed the entire known world at that time, continues down to this, to this day. That was a movement that started in prayer, it was birthed in, in prayer, and it was sustained through prayer. And so uh, we want to pray like they prayed in the book of Acts so that we can see God move among us like he moved in the book of Acts. And not only that, but we are just observing things that God is doing around the world as a direct result of believers who are praying in unprecedented ways. Uh, my wife just had a conversation with a good friend of ours who was uh, in a, uh, an Asian country that is clothed, closed to any kind of traditional um, kind of mission work. It's a place where it's difficult to be a Christian it's illegal to become a Christian and certainly illegal to, to preach about Jesus, to teach about Jesus. But within the last month, um, three different people have shown up to the place, the place where Christians gather all with the same story. I had a dream and I was told to come to this place in the dream. What's going on here? And they had the opportunity then to share Jesus with those people. That kind of thing is happening all over the world as people and nations are coming to Jesus in ways that we haven't seen in recent history anywhere. God is at work and we believe that prayer is the foundation of that and we want to see that happen among us as well. And so over the coming weeks, as you've already heard, we don't want to just talk about prayer. In fact, what happens in this space at this time is probably the least important part of the 21 days experience. We are going to be praying through the week and giving you opportunities to step into prayer in some ways that maybe you haven't before in your life. So this morning, we're going to start with a time that Jesus had really kind of a starter conversation with his disciples when they came to him and they asked him, teach us to pray. 
Now, they were probably um, a, a little uh, not sure that they could live up to the kind of prayer that they saw in Jesus. They had seen him go off sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the evening, and they were feeling just a little insecure in terms of their own prayer. So they said, teach us how to do what you're doing. Now, I think if you asked most of us in this room, most Christians, um, what's one thing that you feel the most insecure about in terms of your relationship with God? Probably prayer is going to be at that at the top of that list. We have uh, just sometimes a fear about prayer. We wonder, um, do, do we deserve to have our prayers listened to and answered? And maybe we've heard other people talk about their prayer experiences. And, and we say, man, that feels so far beyond anything that I've experienced before. Why even try? And so, um, and so I want you to know this morning, that's okay if that's where you are. In fact, let me just ask you and take a little, a little uh, survey here. Raise your hand if you would say this, my prayer life is not where I want it to be. Yeah, just look around. So almost everyone here says that. So you're not alone. And I want you to know that you are just like the disciples when they came to Jesus. And so we're going to look at a passage. It's in Luke chapter 11, where Jesus had been off praying by himself. And when he was done, one of the, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And what's interesting is in that moment, Jesus doesn't berate them. Jesus doesn't roll his eyes and kind of make them feel, feel bad. What he does is he just gives them a simple prayer. He doesn't shame them. And what that tells us is that it's all right to be a beginner. It's all right to be kind of awkward when it comes to prayer. It's all right to not know how, what, what to say or, or how to approach God in prayer. And that's why Jesus then gives them a very, very simple model prayer. And he said, Here, here's how you pray. You say, God, you are holy. Um, God, this world is kind of messed up. And so we pray that your kingdom would come, that, that your justice, that your purposes, that your plans, that your mercy would come into this world. And we have needs. God, we have physical needs. Would you give us the bread that we need for today? And we have spiritual needs. Forgive us our sins. And we have relational needs. Help us to forgive those people who have maybe sinned against us. And God, we just, we just need your wisdom to know how to make good decisions day in and day out. Lead us not into temptation. This very, very simple prayer that Jesus gives them. And so um, we're going to move past this kind of this model, this how-to prayer, and step into the, the why, kind of more of the mindset of prayer. And that's where we're going to spend our time today. Because Jesus, after he, after he gave that model prayer, he began to teach a little bit more because he understands that learning about prayer is not praying. That, that learning what to say in a prayer doesn't necessarily motivate us to pray. That listening to someone else communicate with God isn't necessarily us communicating with God. Reading about prayer, getting lessons on prayer, learning about prayer isn't praying. Only praying is praying. And it's only when we step into prayer that we begin to feel the need for more prayer. And so, um, and so Jesus helps us get over what, what are maybe some of the hangups that we have that prevent us from pay, praying in the first place. And I think one of the most important things that keeps us from prayer is not really believing that God is interested in our prayers in the first place, that God maybe is going to reject what we have to say, or that God is not going to turn his ear toward us when we pray, that he just doesn't really care about what's going on in our lives. And so we're insecure when it comes to prayer. And so Jesus continues after he gives them that model prayer to teach them a little bit more about prayer. Listen to what he says. 
He says, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. And so he tells this story. And for those of us who are over 30, he kind of like loses us from the very beginning, right? Like by the time midnight rolls around, I've been asleep for three hours, sometimes four hours. If you're under 30, you're like, that's what I did last night. Showed up at a friend's house at midnight. But what's going on in this situation is the reason he's gone to his neighbors unannounced is because he's had a friend on a journey show up at his place unannounced. And the friend is hungry and he needs to give them f some food. And so his cupboard is bare. And you have to understand how this could happen is we need to kind of go back to the mindset and the reality of what it was like 2000 years ago. If you found out at the last minute that you needed to travel to another city, there was no way to get a message there ahead of you. Any message that you would send would travel at the same speed that you would actually getting there in the first place. You couldn't call ahead and line up a hotel or get online and uh, arrange for an Airbnb. What you, what you knew is I have a friend, I have an acquaintance who lives there. And if I show up, they're going to give me a place to sleep. Hospitality was a big deal at that time because everyone knew there might become a time where I would have the same need for hospitality. And so my door is always open to a, to a guest. And so you can kind of picture how this scene plays out. The friend is fast asleep, the neighbor. He's been asleep for a while and, uh, and everyone in the house is asleep because in those days, most people lived in a single room house. So when you went to sleep, you all went to sleep. What? You were all in the same room, right? And so the, 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 they've put the kids down, you know, kid number one, two, and three. Finally, they latch the door. Mom and dad, um, they lie down to go to sleep, probably inches away from the mat where their kids are asleep. And then the knock on the door and the voice that's not nearly quiet enough. And the man's eyes pop open. The neighbor's eyes pop open. But more than that, maybe in the dim light, he sees little eyes next to him start to open up. You know, it's one thing to wake up dad, but when you start waking up the kids that you've just spent an hour trying to get settled down and into bed, it's a whole different ball game. And so here's what happens next. Listen to this. Then he will answer from the inside. And what he says is not surprising at all. He says, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I have gone to bed. I can't give up to give you anything. And then, so, so he's like, man, there is no way that I'm going to get out of this comfortable place and give you what you need. But then he goes on, he says, I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend yet because of his friends, shameless boldness. Now hold on to those words, shameless boldness. He will get up and give him as much as he needs. So you can picture this very clearly, right? The guy in the house wakes up and he wakes up rough. He doesn't sort of ease from sleep into wakefulness after, after a full night of rest. He's like jolts awake and he calls out, I, I'm not going to give you what, what you need. And then there's this awkward silence. Maybe he takes a big breath. He gets up, stumbles over his wife, you know, maybe kicks his kid's legs as he goes over to the, to the counter where the basket of bread is. And he goes to the door, opens the door, thrusts out three loaves of bread and stumbles back in 
to bed. You can just see how this might play out. When my wife and I, Missy, um, were married, we went on our honeymoon and drove from Indiana to Prince Edward Island in Canada. And we had um, really nice places to stay every night except one. We both worked at hotels. Uh, I worked at a Westin, or I worked at a Hilton. She worked at a Westin. And so we, we stayed in really good places. But one night, we weren't really sure where we were going to stop. And so this was night number two, and we were traveling through the Northeast on our way up to Prince Edward Island, and we stopped at one place. It was kind of late already, and it was one of these old school motels that was stretched out along the highway, and I go up to the the door, and it's locked, but there's a buzzer there. So I ring, and I can hear the buzzer go off on the inside. And then like 10 seconds later, lights start going off. (laughs) Like the light in the office goes off. The outside lights go off. And I'm like, okay, this person obviously doesn't want to help us. So back in the car and we travel a little further. And now we're coming around Boston and it's like city and it's kind of a dumpy area. But we see a sign for a 24-hour hotel. Boom, we take the exit and and we roll up to this place. And it really is. It is a dump. It's a dive. But I go up and we're exhausted. It's probably one or two in the morning at this point. And I ring the bell. And uh, just a little bit later, no lie, a guy comes out. I don't think he even opened his eyes. He goes over to the wall, grabs a key, front door opens it, says pay in the morning, and then turns around and disappears. And so we take the key and we go up, go up to the room and we step in and I'm like, honey, I'm pretty sure this place has been a crime scene, like more than once. And uh, you walk into the restroom and no kidding, the shower curtain was staple gunned to the ceiling. (laughs) It was terrible. And uh, this, you know, this was like night number two, not very impressive at all on your honeymoon, but, uh, but we survived that. That's the picture that we have of this guy who stumbles to the bed. And so usually, or stumbles out of bed. And usually when we think about these stories that Jesus tells, we kind of try to put ourselves in the right place in the story, right? And so we think, we look at this story and we think, okay, well, There's the guy on the inside. There's the guy knocking on the door on the outside. I'm probably the person who's knocking on the door. Does this mean that God is like the grumpy neighbor on the inside of the, of the home? Like, is Jesus teaching us that if you want to get something from God, you just bang away on the door and eventually God is going to give you what you need. Not because he loves you, but because you've just annoyed him and he wants you to go away. So you ask about prayer, you know, this is it disciples. That's the lesson on prayer. Let's pray now. Um, No, I don't think that's the point of what's going on here at all. We need to remember those words in verse eight, shameless boldness. We need to hold on to those words. I think Jesus is saying, if you want to understand this story correctly, you put yourself in the perspective of the person who is knocking on the door on the outside. You put yourself in the place of the person who thinks like, who thinks it's all right to knock on the door of their neighbor at midnight. Like I've got, I've got a need. I need bread. He's got bread. It's okay. I'll knock on the door. Imagine that you have that kind of shameless boldness to do that. Imagine like, like you are the person who doesn't get the social rules enough that you would do something like that. Now, most of us understand these kinds of rules that like dictate how we interact with one another, these social rules. We all understand that we kind of have like a a bubble of personal space around us when we have conversations with someone else. So you get in a stand-up conversation with someone and, and you both understand that there is an appropriate level of space between you. You don't have to measure it. You just know what feels right. And almost everybody has like the same level of that personal space. But we all have that one friend who's like five inches too close. Right. And it, and it just 
it feels awkward to have that conversation. And so, you know, you step back and they step forward and, uh, and you know exactly who that person is who just like doesn't get the role. They, they come and they sit down too close or maybe they shake your hand just a little bit too hard. Like, why do you do that? You don't understand the rules of what's appropriate. That's what Jesus is saying is that, that put yourself in the place of that person. And he says, that is exactly how we can approach God. Like God invites us to invade his personal space. He wants us to step into that space. And he says like the God who has everything, who, who has everything that you need, who has the power to give you exactly what you are asking for this, this God, Jesus says, whose attention is everywhere. So much so that he has numbered the hairs on our heads. Jesus says in another place that there is not a bird that falls from the sky that God is not aware of it. Like his attention is on everything. He spins out galaxies with just the, the, the words of his voice, like this God who is holy and who is all powerful and whose eyes are everywhere that he wants you to come to him. Even if you're like that, that dorky neighbor banging away on the door, come to him anytime, day or night with any request for any reason, God invites you into that place. And so Jesus says, from your perspective, that's what prayer is like. Then he goes on and he says, let me show you what it's like from God's perspective. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish or ask for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, what is Jesus saying in this part? He's saying we have a good, good father, that God is good, that God is eager to give good gifts to you. God is eager to give you exactly what you need. And and how can we trust in the goodness of God? He says, well, those of you who are parents, think about this. You know how to give good gifts to your children to your children, even though you are touched by evil, even though you are imperfect as a parent. My wife and I have three kids and and they're mostly grown at this point. But as we were raising them, like we really did try to be good parents. And even on our worst day, we would have stepped in front of a bullet to protect them from anything that was harmful. We would never have done something knowing that it would harm our kids, but we weren't perfect. In fact, our daughter had a kind of a running joke that started around sixth grade where she would tell us, she says, you know, I have a list of things that you have done to mess me up. (laughs) And so I called her this week to see if she still had that list. And she said, oh, you mean the things that you did to scar me for life? Yes, I still have that list. (laughs) And you want to know what they are. So she remembers the time in fourth grade when we showed up late for a class picnic and, you know, those kinds of things. But the reality is we are, we are not perfect parents, but we do know how to give good gifts. But he says, God is all wise. Your father is perfect. He always knows what is good for you. And so let's just kind of step back from this story and these, this teaching that Jesus gives us and pull out a couple of things that I think are that he's trying to communicate to us about God and prayer. The first thing is that prayer is invading God's space with boldness, but it's not an unwelcome invasion. In fact, 
God invites us into that space. He invites us into a place where maybe our thoughts or our feelings tell us we don't belong. We don't deserve to be there. We don't have it right. And God welcomes us into that place anyway. And I wonder if that's why, why uh, Jesus' disciples came to him and said, teach us to pray. Because you have to know they grew up in a prayer-saturated culture. They had probably heard thousands of prayers by this time in their lives, flowery prayers spoken publicly in synagogues and in the, in the temple. They knew what prayer was, but when they, when they eavesdropped on Jesus' prayer, they heard something that was different. There was an intimacy there. There was a simplicity there. They saw power in Jesus' life and they connected the dots to the way that Jesus prayed. When Jesus started his prayers, he said, Daddy. And they wanted to pray with that kind of intimacy. The second thing that Jesus tells us is that prayer is asking God for what we need without shame. We have no shame because God is willing to give us what we need. In the Old Testament, the prophets often spoke to people who worshiped idols who like had built their lives on the foundation of a false God. And they said, there is a day coming when you will be put to shame because that foundation is going to collapse. And you're going to realize that everything that you have centered your life around is inadequate for your needs. But those who trust in the living God, those who trust in the true God, they said, will never be put to shame because there will never be a day that God turns his back on you. There will never be a day when God doesn't come through for, for you. So we can approach God recognizing that, that there is no shame because he invites us to, to ask for what we need. And the third thing that Jesus tells us about prayer is that, that prayer is just waiting for God with open hands. We can hold our hands open because he is a good God and he is ready to give good gifts to us. Now, isn't it interesting as Jesus closes this conversation about prayer is he says that God will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him. Interesting that he says that because um, it might be that we have a whole long list of things that we would come to God and ask for, but maybe the Holy Spirit isn't on that list. And so we're like, all right, I mean, that's great, but I've asked for all these other things. How about that? Well, you've maybe experienced this or certainly know someone whose experience with their earthly father was they got everything they needed from their dad. Every physical material need showed up. You turn 16, there's a new car. You go to college, don't worry, college paid for. Get your first house, here's the down payment. And they can go through a long list of things that their father gave to them and bought for them. But then so often you hear at the end of that conversation is, but you know what I really wanted? You know what I really missed is a, is a, is a deep relationship with my dad. I just wanted my dad's presence. I wanted my dad to be there for me. And so Jesus says, the very best gift that a person give, can give is the gift of their very self. And so he says, God is eager to give the Holy Spirit to you when you ask. God will give you his moment by moment presence in your day to day life, that God wants to live life with you. And so the beginning of prayer is, is actually quite a simple thing that Jesus invites us into. In fact, through this whole series, what we are inviting you to do um, is to take one step toward prayer. 
Like just to take one step deeper into prayer. And maybe you're at a place right now in your life where you say, I I just have a whole lot of questions about God. I'm not sure that God is real. And so a good starting place for you might be to just pray a very simple prayer. Say, God, make yourself real to me. Like I, 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 I want to seek. And you said that you'll make yourself found. And so I'm going to seek and, and I want to find you. Or maybe you are already following Jesus, but prayer is not really a part of your experience yet. And so a very simple way to begin praying is just to pray what we, what we see early in Luke 11, that very simple prayer. God, you are holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. That Luke's version of this takes about 12 seconds to say It's a very, very simple thing. And so maybe you can set an alarm on your phone that'll go off at 11 o'clock every morning. That'll remind you, turn to Luke 11 and you just pray those simple words. Takes you 15 seconds. And, and maybe that's a good starting place for you. Or maybe you're at a place where you're like, yeah, I pray. I'm not like a complete beginner, but I, I want more consistency. And so you've already heard that on your way out this morning, you're going to get a calendar and there's going to be all kinds of ideas as well as things that you can, that you can do joining with others over these next couple of weeks that will help you grow in consistency. You get emails, um, tomorrow morning that will give you ideas of things to pray for through this coming week and over the next couple of weeks. One of the things that I'm most excited about is the opportunity that we have this Saturday to, um, to stretch out, to spread out all over this area and prayer walk. Now you might ask, what is prayer walking? Well, very simply, it is praying while you walk. It is stepping out into our neighborhoods, into the streets where we want to see God move in some way. And so we walk maybe down the street of our neighborhood and and we pray, God, would you bless the people who live here? Would you make yourself known to them in some way? You might see a house um, that has a for sale sign in front of it. And you know, okay, here's at least two families that are in transition. You pray for the family who's leaving. You pray for the family who will be moving in. You just let what you see around you kind of guide your prayers. You see um, a kid's bike in front of a house. God, there's a child that lives here. Would you protect that child? Would you let this child grow up in a place where they are loved and treasured? And so we, we spread out into our city, out onto the streets. We take prayer out of the building onto the streets and we pray for God to move among this community. And so we're encouraging you, you can do that in your neighborhoods. Or if you're more comfortable, maybe gathering where other people are. We've got 10 or so locations um, set around Evansville and Newburgh, around this area where you can gather. There's information about that if you want to text um, CCC Prayer Walk to 25827. You can get information. We also at both campuses have maps out in the atrium where you can look and see there's a sticker that kind of indicates where meeting places are, but you can see where other people have indicated. Here's where I'm going to pray. Here's my neighborhood. There's uh, there's dry erase markers and you can grab one and say, here's, here's the streets around where I live. Here's where I'm going to step out and, and prayer walk in my neighborhood. So Jesus invites us into bold praying. But we have to understand that none of us deserve that. None of us deserve to enter into God's presence through prayer. None of us have lived a life so that we are so deserving of God to answer our prayers. But you know what? There was a time where there was one person who lived a perfect life. There was one person who deserved every prayer to be answered. And that was our Lord Jesus. But there was a night where he went off by himself (laughs) as he had done so many other times. And he prayed a prayer that God did not answer. 
It was the night before he went to the cross for each one of us. And he prayed, God, if it's possible, would you let the cup of this suffering that's in front of me, would you let that pass from me? But then out of love, his prayer didn't stop there. He said, but what you want, your will be done and not my will. And so God didn't answer Jesus' prayer so that he could answer our prayers. And so when Jesus went to the cross, he took the scorpion and the snake so that we would have a seat at God's table and be able to eat a meal with him. And so Jesus invites us because of what he did, because of the shame that he took for me and for you on the cross, he invites us to boldly and shamelessly approach God in prayer every single time. Would you pray with me now? God, there is so much that you have given us that we don't deserve. God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you are our father, that you are our daddy, that you know our needs better than we know. And God, that you listen to us. You want to live in a relationship with us and that you are eager to respond. God, I, I, am, I just lift up each one of these prayers that are represented along the walls in this space and at our West Campus. God, I know that, you are, that you're ready to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine through the power of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen.